Hello and welcome back to the Dante in a Year podcast. Let's continue with Dante's Paradiso, Canto 15. Benign will, in which the love that breathes directly ever reveals itself, as cupidity does in the malignant one, put silence to that sweet lyre and quieted the sacred cords that the dexterous hand of heaven loosens and draws tight. How are they deaf to just prayers, these substances which, to give me the will to implore them, were concordant in their quiet? It is well that he should sorrow without end who, for love of what doesn't endure, eternally despoils himself of that love. As across the pure and tranquil evening will course a sudden flame from time to time, moving the eyes which had stood secure, and appears a star transmuted from its place, if not from the part whence it's incensed, nothing's lost, and it endures but a bit. So from the horn that extends on the right to the foot of the cross coursed a star of that constellation that rejoices there. Nor did the gem part from its ribbon, but rushed along the glistening wheel so that it seemed fire from beyond alabaster. So faithfully did the shade of Anchises press forth if our highest muse merits belief when in Elysium he became aware of his son. O sanguis meus, o superinfusa gratia dei, sicut tibi cui bis unquam celi janua reclusa. Thus that light at which I attended to him. Then I turned my visage back to my lady, and on every hand I was stunned. For within her eyes was burning such a smile that I thought to have touched with mine the depth of my glory and my paradise. Then, rejoicing to hear and to see, the spirit joined to his principle there, which I couldn't comprehend, so profoundly did he speak. Nor did he abscond from me by choice but by necessity, since his conception soared beyond our mortal seal. And when the arc of his ardent affection was eased, that his speech descended toward the bound of our intellect, the first thing comprehensible to me was, Blessed be you, triune and one, who are thus courteous to my seed, and followed. The welcome lengthy fast, drawn-out reading of the grand volume where neither black nor brown is muted, you have resolved, son, within this light in which I address you, courtesy of her who vested you in the plumes for this high flight. You believe that your thoughts meld with mine from that which is first, just as from the one, if it's known, the five and the six will radiate. And so it is you don't ask who I am and why I appear to you more joyous than any other in this joyful throng. You believe the truth, for the lowly and the grand of this life marvel in the mirror in which, before you think, the thought shines forth. But so that the sacred love in which I keep vigil with perpetual vision and which whets my thirst of sweet desire might be better fulfilled, let your voice sound the will. Sound the desire, secure, bold, elated, to which my response is already decreed. I turned myself to Beatrice, and that lady had heard before I had spoken, and smiled to me a sign that made my will spread its wings. Then I commenced thus. Affection and sense, as the prime equality appeared to you, were made yours with one weight for each, in that the sun that illumined and warmed you is so equal in its heat and in its light that all resemblances to it are scant. But will and argument in mortals, for the reason that's manifest to you, are severally plumed in the wings, so that I who am mortal sense myself in this inequality, 
and so can render no thanks, if not with my heart, for your paternal feast. Well do I supplicate you, vivid topaz, ingeminate of this precious jewel, that you satisfy me with your name. O my frond, in whom I've been pleased, purely in expecting, I was your root. Such a beginning did he give me in responding. Then he said to me, That one for whom your family's named, and who a hundred years and more, has wound about the mountain on the first cornice, was my son and your great-grandfather. It is well that you shorten his long fatigue with your works. Florence, within the antique circle, whence she still tolls, tears and nones, stood in peace, sober and chaste. She had no little chain nor crown, no figured gown, no cincture that was more to see than the person. Nor, being born, did the daughter make the father afraid, for time and dowry had not fled thus low and high beyond measure. She had no houses void of families, nor was she yet joined to Sardanapalus to show what might be within bedchambers. Montemario still had not been conquered by her uccellatoio, just as it conquered in mounting up, so will it do in its fall. I saw Belinchon Berti go cinctured of hide and of bone, and his lady came from the mirror without a painted visage. And I saw that one of the Nerli and that of the Vecchio, content covered in their pelts, and their ladies at the spindle and the loom. O fortunate ladies, each was certain of her sepulchre, and none were yet deserted in bed for France. The one watched at the side of the cradle, and, consoling, used the manner of speech that first amuses fathers and mothers. The other, drawing the shearing from the spools, would tell tales with her family of the Trojans, of Fiesole, and of Rome. Echangela and Lapo Salterello would have tempted such marvel as now with Cincinnatus or Cornelius. To such response, to such lovely life of the city, to such faithful citizens, to so sweet a hostel did Mary give me, cried in high shrieks. And in your antique baptistry I was both Christian and Cacciaguida. Moronto was my brother, as Eliseo. My lady came to me from the valley of the Pado, and there you have your surname. Then I followed the emperor Conrad, and he bound me in his militia. So much had I come into his favor with good work. I came behind him counter to the iniquity of that law whose people usurp through the faults of the shepherds your justice. There by that turpid people was I disenveloped of the false world, whose love disfigures many souls, and I came from martyrdom to this peace. Thanks for joining me for this episode of the Dante in a Year podcast. See you next time for Dante's Paradiso, Canto 16.